This is the Up Level Dairy Young Leaders Podcast for producers and professionals in the first five years of their dairy careers. My name is Peggy Coffeen, and it's my mission to connect you with others who are like you, driven to make a difference and determined to do it in dairy. So whether you are on the farm or in the field, this is the place to plug in to hear how your peers are overcoming challenges and stepping up to lead the way as dairy's future decision makers and innovators. You can find this special podcast series with new episodes every other week right here on the Up Level Dairy Podcast, and you can follow it on its very own platform, Up Level Dairy Young Leaders. Our featured young leader today joins us from California, though his network in the dairy community reaches around the world. The first few years of Michael Nev's career included working with startups in technology and animal health before finding a great fit for his skill set as business development manager for Progressive Dairy Solutions. Hear about Michael's entrepreneurial spirit and how it almost led him to owning a McDonald's franchise at age 19. Learn about his passion for helping dairy farmers get paid for their sustainability practices and the skills that he uses to have a seat at tables that are often filled with people twice his age. Young producers and professionals will be able to relate to the challenges and opportunities that Michael sees. And for those of us who are a little more, well, seasoned in the industry, we could take a few notes on what an ambitious young dairy leader desires in the workplace. Enjoy this conversation with our featured up-level dairy young leader, Michael Neves. Michael, go ahead and tell me a little bit about yourself. What's your background? So I grew up in Hellmar, California. You might know Hellmar cheese, pretty popular. Grew up around cows. I had family members at dairies, friends at dairies, so grew up working on those dairies. Um, after high school, I transferred. I went to Modesto Junior College, was really involved in the ag department there. Dairy club um, was the ag center for the college, which represented all the ag students to the college. I had a couple sales. After Modesto Junior College, I transferred to Fresno State. While I was at Fresno State, I lived and worked on the University Dairy as a herdsman. Um, so got, really got hands-on there. I was also a member of uh, AGR, the fraternity on campus. So I also had a lot of other exposure to ag professionals there. So yeah, working on the dairy, got a lot of hands-on experience working with cows. Really have a passion for cows. And there I think I kind of learned that I like the business side of the dairy industry a little bit more. Liked working with the cows, but I think the number side, building a team, that's really where I got the professional side of the dairy business was helping run a crew there. Yeah. And so, Michael, what I'm hearing in your story is that you had the experience of having an education in dairy and also in business. And, and as you mentioned, sales, too, and then being hands on on the dairy side. And really, those two experiences together helped you find your true passion. And that is to be on the service side of the industry that you're on right now. But one of the greatest values you bring to that, Michael, is the fact that you understand what it's like to be in a management seat. My favorite part is probably the hospital or maybe the fresh cow pen, just because you got to see so many situations. We got to evaluate problems, problem solving. How are we going to treat this cow, moving cows around? So yeah, I got hands-on experience a little bit on managing, moving things around. I kind of have a franchise background. In between college, I thought I wanted to take a step back from the dairy industry. And I decided to go the McDonald's franchise way. And I thought I was going to own McDonald's franchise way. And that was a whole different management scheme there. There was so much high level. It was going so fast. So many moving parts, a big team that had knew its positions and could develop those positions for themselves and not have to rely on others. Um, 
Then I decided I liked the cows too much. So I decided to come back into the dairy industry. Um, I kind of brought some of those skills from uh, the franchise world to back to the dairy industry world and communicating with people, building a team, things like that. Ooh, okay. You got to tell me, tell me more. Tell me more. Let's just back up like five steps here. So here you were 20-ish years old. And you're 19, like, I think 19, okay, 19 years old. And you're like, I want to own franchises and I'm going to start doing it now. Okay, so this is not what most 19-year-olds are doing, Michael. But what was it about that business model that attracted you to it? So they like business models. The franchise world moves so fast. I think there's so much opportunity. You see continuous New franchises come alive. McDonald's has a big background now. It's been around for a long time. The brand, I think it's one of the top brands that are known around the world. So they've really been really efficient, continue to be really efficient. Getting into all this technology, they're very technology advanced. And I think that's one, one area where the dairy industry struggles is the technology, the data. There's so much data in these franchises. They're by the second. And I think that's something we need to bring into the dairy industry um, is efficiency, technology, data. Artificial intelligence is a big one right now. That's another scary world that people are afraid to talk about, but it's here and we need to move forward with those things. And how do we work with artificial intelligence and not take people's jobs, but make people's jobs easier? And so, Michael, it's interesting when you talk about how McDonald's was so advanced in those specific areas, the AI, the data, the efficiency. And now some would say, look at where we are in the dealing industry. We've come so far but I have a feeling that you are challenging that status quo and your mind on a regular basis. So what do you think is possible? What's possible for dairy? I agree. We've come so far, but we have so far to go. Data is a big one. There's so much data out there in the dairy industry with robots, robotic milking right now. There's so much data being collected, but a lot of the data is not being looked at because there's too much. So I think that's some area where AI might come into play, artificial intelligence. We're at the forefront of sustainability. With the back inside with the digesters and now the front inside with the uh, enteric methane. So I think, yeah, we're at the forefront of technology, data, artificial intelligence, sustainability. I think there's so much to grow in this industry. And I think milk, we're no longer just milk cows. It's milking cows, beef, hedging, um, and now power. I know in California, the digester world's really catched up. Um, we're producing a lot of gas. I think Gavin Newsom wants electric cars by 2035, but we don't know how we're going to get there. Um, so I think a lot of those electric cars are going to be powered by cow manure. So you see a pretty exciting future ahead in dairy. Yeah. And we just need to make sure we're capturing that value for farmers. So do you see yourself ever owning a McDonald's franchise? I never know where God's going to take me. If you would have asked me three years ago if I would have been in the pharmaceutical world, I would have said no. If you would have, said, if you would have asked me two years ago if I would have been in the carbon credit world, I had no clue what that was three years ago. You would ask me a year ago if I'd be at Progressive Dairy Solutions. I would have no clue. I don't know what the next year looks like. I'm excited for all the opportunities that are going to be thrown my way. I, I like kind of the lobbyist side, the, the uh, communicating, disrupting the status quo. Who knows, in 20 years, we, we might be on a podcast and I might be ready for president. I have no clue where God's going to take me. Um, I believe God has a plan for everyone, and I'm just going to trust him and follow in his faith. And take you there. I vote for Michael in 2035. A lot, a lot of things are going to change by then. 
So you're in this business development role and you mentioned earlier, Michael, just how you're, you're having this evolving lens for how you and the rest of the industry can look at sustainability. And so I'm really interested to hear in your early stages of your dairy career, what is your view on sustainability when we talk about that in the dairy industry? What does that mean to you? Doing more with less. We have a lot of great practices. Can they get better? Always. We can always get better. I think if you're getting comfortable, you're falling behind. So always got to be pushing yourself, challenging yourself to do better. There's, I think everyone has crazy ideas, but they're not crazy until they're um, adaptable. So I think there's so much to do. Sustainability. I know in California, we feed a lot of almond hulls, Conti, which are byproducts. Before those products were going to landfills or being burnt. And now they're being fed to dairy cattle to produce a very nutrient-dense product. I think dairymen don't get enough credit for that. Instead of getting carbon credits or value-added options for that, we're paying both prices for those feeds. And we know in the dairy industry, it's really tight right now. Margins are really tight. People are hurting. Uh, instead of getting credit for feeding those byproducts and producing a food source, we're paying gold prices for that. Farmers are price takers, not price givers. And I think that's something that kind of needs to be challenged. So, you know, 1% of the world feeds 99% of the world. And we're the ones that are at the bottom end. So I guess it's something that my generation needs to challenge the public on uh, and bring real, real value back to the farmer. Hi, well, Michael, I can tell that you are a champion for putting those challenges forward. And speaking of challenges in a different sense, so let's look at these three years that you have had as a professional in the dairy industry. And so when you look across this timeline, what is one of the biggest challenges that you have faced? I guess age. Everyone puts an age on something. We're young, we're professional. I'm working alongside people that have been in the industry longer than I've been alive. When we bring our crazy ideas, we might be questioning just because that hasn't been experienced or hasn't been challenged yet. I think that's how we get more progressive is bringing new ideas and new challenges. I have a big learning from my mistakes and then everything I do is going to be right. But hopefully a couple of those are going to be right and I can move forward from those and learn from my mistakes and move forward. Tell me a little bit about how you have broken the barriers to be able to gain the respect and connect with producers and with others in the industry. As a young professional who I would imagine at times, you're sitting across the, the office table from people, again, that are old enough to be a parent to you in some cases. Working with a lot of teams the last couple of years and professional school and everything is appreciating people. People like being appreciated. So it might, might be hard for some people to hear that, but thank you. Hello. Good morning. Simple things like that. I know one thing I do is I wish everyone to have a birthday every morning. Just because I think those small comments that take seconds really make someone's day. So acknowledging people is a big one on farm, off farm, in public, uh, short conversations that don't have to do anything to do around work or anything like that. Sometimes people just want to break from the ongoing mindset of work, 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 work. Okay, so I want to talk about that word appreciation that you just mentioned. And so what you just talked about was the way that you make an intentional effort to show appreciation to others. But for for anyone that might be listening to this conversation, Michael, that maybe wants to gain a better understanding of what is important to the other side, to you, what do you want to be appreciated in the work that you're doing, either by your colleagues or even by others in the, the industry or clients? What to you shows appreciation that gives you the fire in your belly to keep getting after it every day? I guess acknowledging wins, acknowledging progress. 
people get focused on the negative sometimes and on a farm specifically. We're not all perfect. We're going to make mistakes. And some people are maybe everything that's acknowledged is negative. Sometimes that person might do something good, but that might not be acknowledged. And I know sometimes there's a lot going on, businesses, farms, all of that, but taking time to acknowledge your team, I think in the long run saves you time because you might not lose an employee. Um, you might have a, you might have a, an employee recommend someone to come join your team. If there's not company culture there, they're not going to re recommend any of their friends or family to come join your team. I've kind of experienced that on some of my teams, people being, being undervalued, underappreciated. When they're undervalued, underappreciated, they don't want to work. They just are trying to float through there versus when they come to work and they're excited, they want to see you. They want to work hard for you. It just, it just changes things, appreciating people, acknowledging their work. So you see a shift in that and you feel that as a young professional, when you receive it. My generation is a little different than others. You know, we, we've been used to the golden stickers. We don't need a golden sticker for everything, but a couple of things here and there will be great. Once in a while, we all appreciate golden sticker, right? <laughs> so, okay, Michael, I also want to go back to the example that you were telling us a little bit before about um, being at the table with people that were older than you and had different ideas and you had ideas too. And so have you developed a strategic approach for taking your ideas and bringing them forward in a way that helps get the buy-in or get that message across? Like what's working for you that you've learned to be able to take your ideas and, and see them or get them to a place where they can be implemented? I guess don't be afraid to question things. Ask for a seat at the table. Um, I don't know about you, but I've heard this saying, if you don't have a seat at the table, you're what's on the menu for dinner. And I don't want to be what's up for dinner or dessert. So don't be afraid to have a seat at the table, have your voice heard, put your ideas out there, and I guess have a conversation. I think some of us are afraid to have conversations nowadays. The conflict is a scary thing nowadays, but put it out there, have a conversation. We might, we could agree to disagree. We don't have to agree on everything, but come to a, a centered idea on that. And if you don't have conversations, you're going to be centered with one idea, not two. And that one idea might not be right. I like that. I like that. That's a, that's a good share. Michael, you talked about, like, you, you pretty much say you really like to talk, right? Okay. What are the times when you've learned not to talk? Ooh, I guess a big one is sitting in a room with a lot of high educated people. Um, I guess that's where I take a lot and sit back, listen, and I have understanding and I'm coming up with ideas. I know I might not know everything in the room. I might not be the smartest person in the room. But I think I try to come up with ideas that challenges everyone else in the room. So I might not know exactly what I'm talking about, but I'll develop a couple um, ideas they're working on and try to bring that together and then challenge them on those ideas to try to come up with a plan. I think on the learning to listen, I've kind of developed a school to like read people, read the room, develop that skill, how to bring certain conversations out of people, giving them the ability to have the idea. And I know they have the idea, but they might like, just need some help bringing that idea out of their brain. How did you develop that skill? What did it take for you to develop? Because that's not easy. I guess I might have grown up fast. I've got a lot of challenges throughout me young. So I grew up really fast and I I always want to sit at the, old, the older people's table, the adults. I always wanted to sit at that table because I wanted that those higher level conversations. So I was very quiet. I listened to the adults talk, how they communicated with each other. There's so many different personalities out there. I think that looking at all those different 
adult personalities helped me as a kid to develop how to have certain conversations with certain people, have other conversations with other people. I think that's also helped me on the professional side, having and managing conversations with farmers and dairymen and having conversations with sales reps, advisor, consultant. Um, there's all so many different personalities in the dairy industry. And I think you really have to understand and read those conversations in those rooms. Yeah. Okay. So you bring up a really good point, Michael, of really just being able to read the room, understand that there's all these different personalities and even personality types and traits, right? This is a great segue to the next question that I wanted to ask you. And what advice would you give to yourself, you know, when you were 20 years old? So 26 year old Michael, what would you tell 20 year old Michael? What would you want him to know about how to get from where he was at at 20 to 26? What's your best advice? Never too early to start. Take those crazy ideas, run with them, challenge yourself. Don't be afraid to fail. Learn from your mistakes. I think people are nowadays are too afraid to make mistakes fail. But it just, I think that just makes you better. Um, so I wish I would have challenged myself a lot earlier on so I could advance a little bit faster. But yeah, don't be afraid to challenge yourself. Don't hold yourself back. Take the risk. Don't be afraid to ask for help. That's a big one. There's so many people out there that want to help, but they're not about to be out publicly asking people if they need their help. Like, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to network. Don't burn bridges. You never know when you're going to need somebody. You know, people I worked with three years ago, our paths went different. And today we're working together again. Um, so yeah, always move forward. You might disagree with someone today, but you're not always going to agree with someone. And you can always reconnect in three or four years, 10 years. You never know when you're going to reconnect. 50 years. Who knows? We're going to live a lot longer. So we might, our paths might cross again. Oh, that's fantastic. And so, you know, one thing I'm, I'm really curious about with you, Michael, as well is, I mean, obviously you have dabbled outside of dairy and you, as you mentioned, you are always looking outside of dairy for ideas to bring back to help in better the industry and the producers in it. But at the end of the day, all the things that you could be doing, why did you choose dairy for your career? What or who inspired you? My parents were immigrants from the Azores Islands. So those are the islands between Europe and the east coast of the U.S., which are part of Portugal. They're specifically from St. George, which is the cheese island known for cows. Uh, so my grandparents had cows. My dad had cows. My dad ran a camp ranch when he was here. My dad passed away when I was seven years old. So he worked till the day he died. And I really saw that passion he had for cows. And there's so many opportunities that cows give for us. I think they don't get enough credit for what they do for us. Um, there's so many jobs around the world that, that revolve around dairy cows. I mean, I think we're in 2023 and there is still kids starving today. And we could get one serving of dairy costs around a dollar. There's 13 essential nutrients in that product. Uh, and it's being efficient. It's being produced so efficient nowadays. We, have, we talk about a surplus of milk nowadays, but there's still kids starving in the U.S. and around the world. So one of my big things is I working i have a problem saying no to things and i take on too many things and i wear a lot of hats uh, but one of my goals is let's start a foundation that helps the youth that are disadvantaged and are trying to try to start a career and might have some health issues as well and supporting those areas as well parting words to those out there listening that are in the same place you are right now or within a couple of years of it in the first five years of their career parting words don't let your age hold you back Go for your dreams, strive for them. You're so young. There's so much to do out in this world, so much to do in the dairy industry. 
go out there and get it, get advice from farmers that have been in the industry for a long time. Things that I guess my question I like asking is going to an older farmer that's maybe retired and asking him what's some of the things that's changed the most since he's been in the business that he didn't expect. And those, some of those ideas, I know one of them was computers. One of them was cow comfort. And those are like necessities nowadays. So things like they never expected when they were young, it came so far now. Now that's a, that's a very basic thing nowadays. So I really like enjoying listening to older farmers' conversations and stories. Excellent. Well, and you got something that all of us, regardless of age, can lean into is just taking the time to ask the questions to those that we can learn something from. And you know what, Michael? As much as we can learn stuff from folks that are ahead of us in age, it goes the other way too, because I know that I have learned a lot in the time that we've been able to chat today. So thank you for joining me on the Upbuildable Theory Young Leaders Podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. You just heard from Uplevel Dairy featured young leader, Michael Nebs. I'm Peggy Coffeen, and thank you for listening to the Uplevel Dairy Young Leaders podcast. If you like this episode, take a moment and give it a review. You can find these episodes on the Uplevel Dairy podcast every other week, as well as the very own Uplevel Dairy Young Leaders podcast channel for those individuals, producers, and professionals in the first five years of their dairy careers who are driven to make a difference and determined to do it in the dairy industry. And if you want to connect more, head on over to our Uplevel Dairy Young Leaders Facebook group and find that link in our show notes.